Bam 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 Oh, well, that's, the that way was mouth, great for my ego. No, the way your mouth goes like a cute <laughs> With little, my gels. like, from Ooh. inside out. I found just that cute. my frown has started going down. My, that's what frowns do, Lise. No, but, like, my just my resting face is frowned. Like my frown has always curved up. Oh. Wow. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, everybody! <laughs> Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make, to make life, life suck less. less. I'm Lisa Linky. I'm Misty Stinnett. And this is part two. We are very excited of A New Earth with Eckhart Tolle. Yes. And if you're joining us for the first time, you might want to go back and listen to the last episode. We are doing, for the first time ever, a two-part book. It's a heady book. It's confusing. I'm falling all over my words. It's amazing. You're doing great. It's if, a great time. If you time. don't want to go back and listen, I'll sum it up for you. Ego bad. Ego <laughs> bad. Ego does not serve Ego, you. Ego very bad. No, no, no. That's self, a judgment. Self good. Self See, very Eck- good. Tolle would say judging good or bad. Like it doesn't serve. Sure. Okay. So ego fine. Ego does not serve. Ego very <laughs> ego fine. Ego is- exists. Ego exists, but also bad. Okay, if you're confused what the fuck we're talking about, this is the podcast where we review a popular self-help book each episode. Yes. And we talk about it. You've caught us in the middle of the act with our hands in the enlightenment cookie jar. (laughs) Caught red-handed. Right in there. We're very excited because we've never had a two-parter, but this book is so dense and so cool and so full of so many things. That's right. That that we needed to make it (laughs) two parts. No! So, um, if you, uh, 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 and spoiler alert, Misty is amazing at uh, loving self-help books and mm-hmm. being able to find them for what they're useful for. Yeah. And me, dear <laughs> listener, <Reader. laughs> uh, I am a longtime hater of self-help mm-hmm. books. And we talk on a previous um, mini-sode as to why. And, and if you want to go back oh, and yeah, listen to those. we do. So these episodes are where we're reviewing. And then our mini-sodes are where yeah. we kind of check up on homework. Just as a follow-up, I haven't had any homework because we're catching yeah. up on part too, and we're joined as always by our imitable producer, thank you, Matt Sav, right here at Fairfax Village Studios. Thank you, um, in the heart of Los Angeles, and it's just the yeah. glorious place to be. If you have anything you need to record, um, whether it be like commercial copy for your reel, Theo your demo, demo reel, reel um, or songs, need, yes, he's great with musicals, that. podcasts, commercials, Check him out. jingles. What do you need? He does it. Get off our backs, God. <laughs> okay. okay, so we're getting back. In we've we've talked about um, ego and now we're moving into the second half of the book. Yeah, Misty. and thank you so much for that incredible tip. You packed a lot into that. Well, I just want to ninety hit the seconds. Running thank away you. from Eckhart Tolle. I feel it. She just wants to be done. I will say for Lisa being so resistant to some of the authors and self help, it feels like we're kind of chugging along. Yeah, listen, when you get aware, uh, around the absolutely monotonous uh, language that he uses in run-on sentences and paragraphs. I I don't disagree with it. Great. Okay, so we are in a chapter called The Pain Body. Okay, The Pain Body. The Pain Body. This sounds like a horror film. It does. So, emotions in the ego. 
The voice in the head tells a story that the body believes in and reacts to. Those reactions are the emotions. The emotions, in turn, feed energy back to the thoughts that created the emotion in the first place. What the fuck? You have to say that again. I'm sorry for I'll the sum it up for I you. No, no, no. I'll sum it up for you. Feedback Loop from Hell. Thank you. By Mark Manson. Why didn't he say Thank that? you. <laughs> Not that he's read Mark Manson. Oh, somebody told me that Mark Manson's book is considered the more accessible version of this. <laughs> Did you know that? Which is funny because this is supposed to be the more accessible version of The Power of Now. And so Mark Manson's book. You know, somebody basically was like, Mark Manson has basically written A New Earth or The Power of Now in plain English With a lot for of cuss all. words. And I say yes. I say yes. It's a great book. Okay. okay. So basically it's, a feedback loop It's the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. From whole. From hell. Right. So you you have a thought. You have an emotion as a reaction to that thought, and then your thoughts then fuel more emotions. It's this feedback loop is sure. what I'm understanding. I sure. Let's double down. Let's, I call it the double down. He says, this is the vicious circle between unexamined thoughts and emotions, giving rise to emotional thinking and emotional story making. The emotional component of ego differs from person to person. and some egos, it is greater than in others. Thoughts that trigger emotional responses in the body may sometimes come so fast that before the mind has had time to voice them, the body has already responded with an emotion and the emotion has turned into a reaction. Sure. Those thoughts exist at a pre-verbal stage and could be called unspoken, unconscious assumptions. Yes. They have their origin in a person's past conditioning, usually from early childhood, like people cannot be trusted, would be an example of such an unconscious assumption in a person whose primordial relationships with parents or siblings were not supportive and did not inspire trust. Okay. Here are a few more common unconscious assumptions. Nobody respects and appreciates me. I need to fight to survive. There is never enough money. Life always lets you down. I don't, I don't deserve abundance. I don't deserve love. Um, the, I the, don't deserve that last piece of pizza, but I'll take it anyway. But I'll take it. Um, unconscious assumptions create emotions in the body, which in turn generate mind activity and or instant reactions. In this way, they create your personal reality. The voice of the ego continuously disrupts the body's natural state of well-being. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So when you started talking about this, I guess what I thought of was like when I feel an emotion in a certain part of my body, mm -hmm. like if I feel shame in my yeah. throat or if I feel um, yeah. anxiety in my gut. Yeah. Is he talking about that or is he talking about these baseline assumptions that kind of happen before we can put a, a put something around them? He's talking about both. Okay. Thank you. So he doesn't do – yeah, he could be a lot more simplistic in his writing. So basically he's talking about the pain body. Yeah. And there is – it's like the body of pain that you kind of carry around with you. And so – the feedback loop from hell is one component, okay. right? This other base reaction is one component. Um, and so, as he just said, oh, ripped the book. The voice of the ego continuously disrupts the body's natural state of well-being. And I wrote, I keep thinking about babies and how chill, present, and authentic they are before they've learned societal interactions. Yeah, some babies aren't chill. Yeah, no, some aren't, but the ones that are so chill. But even in their unchillness, they're yeah. present. Yeah. They're not just crying yeah. out of, um, there's a need for their crying. Of course, They're yes. present. Exactly. Pormth. Pormth. Uh, so he says, we need to differentiate between positive emotions that are ego-generated and deeper emotions that emanate from your natural state of connectedness with being. Okay. Um. 
So say that an ego-generated emotion is like, I'm feeling um, insecure because I see somebody having something I don't have. Or I project and like, oh, they must be mad at me and I don't even know what's going on. So then I get scared or anxious. Right. Versus... Um, like a body, you know, like um, I, I feel pain or um, something from my essence versus my ego. Is that what he's saying? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I was trying to read the next section to see if we could skip anything. Um, yeah, what Lisa said. So the duck with a human mind. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Listen, this is a comedy podcast. You're Can't right. Take ourselves I'm too doing seriously. my very best. You are laughing a lot. In The Power of Now, this is page 137. Thank you. I mentioned my observation that after two ducks get into a fight, which never lasts long. Who pays the bill? They- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I am so down for that joke. Well, we Did need you to, like it? We need to down? look up the answer on the web. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope hope you guys are groaning just as much as I want you to. I love hate it so hard. Oh, God, I love it. Okay, ducks are in a fight, never last long. Uh, They will separate and float off in opposite directions. Then each duck will flap its wings vigorously a few times, thus releasing the surplus energy that built up during the fight. After they flap their wings, they float on peacefully as if nothing had ever happened. If the duck had a human mind, it would keep the fight alive by thinking... By story making. This would probably be the duck's story. Quote, I don't believe what he just did. He came to within five inches of me. (laughs) What a motherfucker. He thinks he owns this pond. He has no consideration for my private space. I'll never trust him again. Next time he'll try something else just to annoy me. I'm sure he's plotting something already. Listen, that duck seems very erudite. And we both know that ducks are real low down dirty sons of bitches. That's right. And he's like, but I'm not going to stand for this. I'll teach him a lesson he won't forget. End quote. Okay. This duck is also very dramatic. Eckhart says, and on and on the Mind spins its tail, still thinking and talking about it days, months, or years later. That duck is daffy. As far, yeah, no, take a lap. We're not giving her that one. As far, we're not. I'm not. I'm not reacting to that. As far as the body is concerned. <laughs> Lisa Sorry, I was just winging it. Over. I will hear you. Sorry. I'm sorry. I can't We're help it. We're just trying to keep this podcast light. Okay, here light we go. Light as a feather. Oh. That was very good. God, where the fuck was I? Oh, okay. there's a quill. There's a way. As far as... <laughs> <laughs> We're available for children's birthday parties. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay, here we go. I don't believe it for a second. Okay. <laughs> okay, so basically he's saying if you... That's how. That's an example of how the human mind works. Like sure. animals don't tend to think that way. No, and they stay live in, in the moment. conflict forever. And uh, yeah, my dogs have fights, and then I am the one who's like, "Are they going to keep doing it?" And they're like, yeah. "No, I'm done." Yeah. He says, you can see how problematic the duck's life would be if it had a human mind. But this is how most humans live all the time. No situation or event is ever really finished because we keep it going in our minds. That right? makes sense. He says, we are a species who has lost its way. Everything natural, every flower or tree, and every animal have important lessons to teach us if we would only stop, look, 
and listen. Okay. Our duck's lesson is this. Flap your wings, which translates as let go of the story and return to the only place of power, the present moment. And facts, like what he said earlier. And facts, yes. Yeah. And just focus on the facts. That duck came within five inches of me. That yes. made me uncomfortable. Move so, on. That's right. Goodbye. Uh, he says almost everyone carries in his or her energy field an accumulation of old emotional pain, which he calls the pain body. Okay. So, so we, we all carry an uh, energy field of old emotional pain. Yes. The pain body. Okay. Yes. The remnants of pain left behind by every strong negative emotion that is not fully faced, accepted, and then let go of, joined together to form an energy field that lives in the very cells of your body. Oof. It consists, right? It consists not just of childhood pain, but also painful emotions that were added to it later in adolescence and during your adult life, much of it created by the voice of the ego. It is the emotional pain that is your unavoidable companion when a false sense of self is the basis of your life. This energy field of old but still very much alive emotion that lives in almost every human being is the pain body. This makes me think of like when my therapist will ask me one question, like one very light question just about pull one like, thread. Yeah. And everything comes tumbling like, oh, out. How's in your tears. sister? And then I just start bawling my yeah. eyes out. And it's like, oh, all that pain is just right under the surface. Yeah. It, that's, I mean, that's a terrible example because my sisters are the lights of my life. I love you. Um, we, we know that you really cry about them. That's okay. I love them. I cry with joy. The voice in your head will be telling sad, anxious, or angry stories about yourself or your life, about other people, about past, future, or imaginary events. The voice will be blaming, accusing, complaining, imagining, and you are totally identified with whatever the voice says, believe all its distorted thoughts. At that point, the addiction to unhappiness has set in. So he's basically talking about, like, how we deal with the pain body, how it forms. It is not so much that you cannot stop your train of negative thoughts, but that you don't want to. This is because the pain body at that time is living through you, pretending to be you. So he basically says kind of like the ego, your pain body also wants to feel itself. Have you ever felt just like down or ashamed or whatever and you can't get out of it? And yeah. you can't like it's Hi. there's Have almost like me? a <laughs> there's almost like a comfortable sense of familiarity sure. in feeling those emotions. Sure. So that is like how the pain body exists within you and kind of like feeds itself. It wants to live in the same way that the that the ego does. All right. So um, he says, it is not so much that you cannot stop your train of negative thoughts, but that you don't want to. This is because the pain body at that time is living through you, pretending to be you. And to the pain body, pain is pleasure. It eagerly devours every negative thought. In fact, the usual voice in your head has now become the voice of the pain body. It has taken over the internal dialogue. A vicious circle becomes established between the pain body and your thinking. Every thought feeds the pain body, and in turn, the pain body generates more thoughts. At some point, after a few hours or even a few days, it has replenished itself and returns to its dormant stage, leaving behind a depleted organism and a body that is much more susceptible to illness. If that sounds to you like a psychic parasite, you are right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I, I okay. Well, I mean, I mean just, for me, I just feel like instead of saying like there's a psychic parasite, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I say, oh, you know what? Um, when I have negative thoughts, it's yeah. uh, they they don't feel good; they feel comfortable. Yeah, because having different thoughts are foreign. Yeah. So instead of making it like I have this psychic parasite in me, yeah, um, it's just like oh, and I'm not, I'm not. 
I'm not enjoying it because yeah. it isn't comfortable yeah. or, or and enjoy enjoy isn't joyful or words enjoyment. What is it? Isn't enjoying? What is the word I'm trying to say? Enjoyable. Thank you. <laughs> she had no judgment up on that ego coming from me across the table on that word. Thank you. Um, it isn't enjoyable, but it is comfortable and familiar. Yeah. So I don't think it's much less of like. Well, it's I think an, we're saying the same thing, but we we are. Yeah. He. This is the the problem with just like an over a very zoomed out treetop level review. Sure. Uh, uh, of thirty thousand feet is because he does talk about all the different kinds of pain bodies. There are dense ones that are there are ones that are, are only a little bit negative. Like you're talking about, there are ones that just like feed on drama. But basically it's just like how do we handle and store pain? Yeah. Is my interpretation of it. Yeah. He also, um, what I love is he talks about national and racial pain bodies. So you can Thank have Thank you. Mm-hmm, because you can have your personal one, but then there's the collective pain of people. Did it uh, I know the, the sigh of relief that I am experiencing I know. from a white man putting that in his book makes me so yeah. happy. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I he think he grew up in uh, Germany. Did I say that? Did I talk about his background? No. He grew up in Germany. He studied in London. And now he splits his time between like Canada and London and, and California. Um, so he says, it doesn't really matter what proportion of your pain body belongs to your nation or race and what proportion is personal. In either case, you can only go beyond it by taking responsibility for your inner state now. Even if blame seems more than justified, as long as you blame others, you keep feeding the pain body with your thoughts and remain trapped in your ego. There is one, only one perpetrator of evil on the planet, human unconsciousness. That realization is true forgiveness. With forgiveness, your victim identity dissolves and your true power emerges, the power of presence. Instead of blaming the darkness, you bring in the light. So that really resonates with me because I, I love how— you know, in order to be free from an oppressive system, everyone has to be a victim of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we will always have yeah. um, us and them. Yes. Right? Like, so when apartheid ended, everyone was a victim of it. Yes. Right? We, it was that this policy was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was incorrect. But what it had done is made everybody fall victim to the yes. to the negative consequences of this. Yes. Because you can't just remove this oppressive system and say Yeah. Yeah. It's you know what, it's gone, no problem. Yeah. Because the people who were oppressed by it will will still have feelings. There's still the emo the collective emotional pain. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And he says, um on page one fifty seven, this is when he talks about national and racial pain bodies. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, he he says certain countries in which many acts of collective violence were suffered or perpetrated have a heavier collective pain body than others. Yes. This is why older nations tend to have stronger pain bodies. It is also why younger countries such as Canada or Australia and those that have remained more sheltered from the surrounding madness such as Switzerland tend to have lighter collective pain bodies. Of course, in those countries, people still have their personal pain body to deal with. If you are sensitive enough, you can feel a heaviness in the energy field of certain countries countries as soon as you step off the plane and other countries one can sense an energy field of latent violence just underneath the surface of everyday life and some nations for example in the middle east the collective pain body is so acute 
that a significant part of the population finds itself forced to act out in an endless and insane cycle of perpetration and retribution through which the pain body renews itself continuously. Mm. So uh, he also says, like, the collective racial pain body is pronounced in Jewish people who have suffered persecution over many centuries. Not surprisingly, it is strong as well in Native Americans whose numbers were decimated and whose culture all but destroyed by the European settlers. In Black Americans, too, the collective pain body is pronounced. Their ancestors were violently uprooted, beaten into submission, and sold into slavery. The foundation of American economic prosperity rested on the labor of four to five million Black slaves. In fact, the suffering inflicted on Native and Black Americans has not remained confined to those two races, but has become part of the collective American pain body. Mm. It is always the case that both victim and perpetrator suffer the consequences of any acts of violence, oppression, or brutality for what you do to others you do to yourself. Yes. So, like, he covers it all. Good. Um, You're going to love the title of the next chapter. It's called Breaking Free. I want to break free. I was thinking, I want to feast. I want a bean feast. La, 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 So good you could go nuts. Give it to me now. What are you talking about? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Girl, get with it. I don't remember. Oh, my God. Get out of the studio. The beginning of freedom from the pain body lies first. (laughs) 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 We broke Sav. We broke Sav. Oh, my God. This is my new goal is to break Sav with my jokes. I just must know. What got you? What got you the most on that one? Strong reversal. We're so you. It was like a buzzing quiz or something. What song most represents your personality? Indeed. In the best way. You were trying to talk about Dre and I'm fucking queen. queen. I want to break free. Oh, I love that uh, video where he's vacuuming. Oh, so good. Sorry, sorry. I never vacuum. Please do never apologize for us breaking no, you, Sav. No, this is now my utter delight and yes. goal for every episode. All right. Okay. <clears throat> The beginning of freedom from the pain body lies, first of all, in the realization that you have a pain body. Again, we're just going back to awareness. Mm-hmm. I've got a pain body. I've, I've got, got a an pain ego. body. And I've got an ego. Thank you. Look at you. I got so an aware. ego. I got a pain body. I have an ego. I got a hangnail. Yes, girl. Can you feel the aliveness <laughs> in your inner hangnail? <laughs> Comedy, then, more important in your ability to stay present enough, alert enough to notice the pain body in yourself as a heavy influx of negative emotion when it becomes active. When it is recognized, it can no longer pretend to be you and live and renew itself through you. Sounds simple enough. Doubt it's that simple in practice. Sure. Here we go. I wrote what next to this new paragraph? Oh, I can't wait. When you realize that pain bodies unconsciously seek more pain, that is to say that they want something bad to happen— Mm. You will understand that many traffic accidents are caused by drivers whose pain no. bodies are active no, at the time. No, he just turned into gay. Hendrix. When two drivers with active pain bodies arrive at an intersection at the same time, the likelihood of an accident is many times greater than under normal circumstances. Every actuary in the world just rolled over in yep. their pre-grave. Unconsciously, they both want the accident to happen. Nope. The role of pain bodies in traffic accidents is most obvious in the phenomenon called road rage, when drivers become physically violent, often over a trivial matter, such as someone in front of them driving too slowly. Quick question. How much is it going to cost me and my auto insurance to insure my pain body? Yeah. Well, here's this is why I could I we got real Wanda easily, Wu up in this yes. days. Well, I could easily have skipped over this and just stayed in the like, look, isn't he right about nation and racial? But this this is one you know pain bodies. But this is one where I was like, 
What the fuck? I mean, I, I guess I can understand how people unconsciously create drama. Like, there are people who feed off of drama and enjoy drama and whatever. I could see how they don't realize they're doing that. But as far as causing traffic accidents goes, I don't know. Somebody write in and tell us what you think. Have you ever gotten into a traffic accident because Listen. of your pain body? 1-800-555. Go help yourself. <laughs> right now I'm talking to everybody's pain body. Pick up a pen. Write us. Or right. we don't have a mailing address. So pick That's up right. a pen. And write a note to email us about your pain body causing an accident. Put it on a duck. The duck is going to float over. We're going to get within five inches of it. And I'm going to be like, duck, what are you doing? <laughs> I was searching my mind. God, I was searching my mind for a duck joke. You were? Mm-hmm. I wish you would have gone to the doctor. Like, I just could not love you more. Also, my best friend got a new dog, and they let they let Scout, their daughter, help name him, and his name is Duck. <laughs> but he went to the vet, and he's like, I'll send you. And so the vet was like, oh, I want to take him to Muscle Beach. And I was like, you got to call him Duck Muscles, Duck Muscles. But then it was like, Doc. And so now his full name is Dr. Muscles. Dr. Muscles. Dr. Muscles. Dr. Muscles. I love that Scout was like, I love this dog. His name is Duck. That's right. Um, so breaking free of the pain body. When the pain body is activated, know that what you are feeling is the pain body in you. This knowing is all that is needed to break your identification with it. And when identification with it ceases, the transmutation begins. The knowing prevents the old emotion from rising up into your head and taking over not only the internal dialogue, but also your actions as well as interactions with other people. This means the pain body cannot use you anymore and renew itself through you. The old emotion may then still live in you for a while and come up periodically. It may also still occasionally trick you into identifying with it again and thus obscuring the knowing, but not for long. Something that's interesting about his approach is that he does delineate between you and these things that are quote-unquote wrong with you, but not really wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's never your fault. Like, you're saying, I am perfect, I am light. He's saying, like, we are literally all, whatever you want to call it, like, the source, God, universal intelligence, like a scientific force, whatever. He's like, we're literally all connected and all part of the same thing. And isn't that fucking awesome? And if we get distracted from that, it's because we've just gone insane. Yeah, and then also what I like is that... you you might get distracted by this, but you're never doing anything wrong. This is the perfect segue. Listen to this. Oh, thank you. It you strikes again. Segway linky. Segway queen. Segway queen. When you feel the pain body, don't fall into the error of thinking there is something wrong with you. Oh my God. <laughs> I am Segway Queen. <laughs> Making yourself into a problem, the ego loves that. The knowing needs to be followed by accepting. Anything else will obscure it again. Accepting means you allow yourself to feel whatever it is you are feeling at that moment. It is part of the isness of the now. The business is the isness. The isness. You can't argue with what is. Well, you can, but if you do, you suffer. Through allowing, you become what you are vast, spacious. You become whole. You are not a fragment anymore, which is how the ego perceives itself. Your true nature emerges, which is one with the nature of God. Damn. Okay, so I got a little lost in that, but I think I understood. Yeah. Because, you know, as I know, my friend loved to write a run-on sentence. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of what he says throughout the book in, you know, verbose terms is 
Don't judge yourself because that's just the ego again rising up. <laughs> Stop judging yourself. Why are you judging yourself? Why are you judging yourself? Stop it. Stop it. God, I'm judging myself. Okay. <laughs> Nobody can tell you. Oh, this is from the chapter Finding Who You Truly Are. Who am I? I'll tell you. Nobody can tell you who you are. <laughs> cool. Is that the end of the chapter? That's it. Bye. Um, it would just be another concept, so it would not change you. Who you are requires no belief. In fact, every belief is an obstacle. It does not even require your realization since you already are who you are. But without realization, who you are does not shine forth into this world. It remains in the unmanifested, which is, of course, your true home. You are then like an apparently poor person who does not know he has a bank account with $100 million in it. And I so quit. his wealth remains an unexpressed potential. This dude has just brought in 17 different things to try to explain one thing, and none yeah. of them made sense. So mm-hmm. just move forward. I don't get it. Keep going. Leave me. Go ahead. No, keep going. I really keep like going. This one. Leave me behind. Leave me to die here on never knowing who I am because it's not Luck. a thing. He's just saying, you already are this fucking wonderful being, and you don't even you don't need to realize it to just be that. But if you don't realize that you're fucking awesome and fantastic. You're like a poor person who doesn't know he has a bank account with $100 million in it. And so his wealth remains an unexpressed potential. I just took a picture of my face, of my mind She took a selfie in the middle of that. Because I can't stand. The next one is called Abundance. And I said life is abundance. Thank you. Um, Acknowledging the good that is already in your life is the foundation for all abundance. The fact is, whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you are withholding from the world. You are withholding it because deep down you think you are small and that you have nothing to give. Try this for a couple of weeks and see how it changes your reality. Whatever you think people are withholding from you, praise, appreciation, assistance, loving care, and so on, give it to them. You don't have it? Just act as if you had it and it will come. Then, soon after you start giving, you will start receiving. You cannot receive what you don't give. Outflow determines inflow. Whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you already have, but unless you allow it to flow out, you won't even know that you have it. This includes abundance. Yes, Lisa's raising her hand. Lisa? I don't feel like I'm getting enough sex in my life. Give it. You're not giving enough sex. Okay. Is that what he's saying up at this piece? You got to give the sex. What the fuck (laughs) is he talking about? I mean, this doesn't blanket apply to everything. Okay. It seems like it applies to interactions. Loving care, praise, appreciation, assistance. Those are his examples. Sex. Are you giving enough loving, tender care and hitting on people? So that they know to give it to you? Well, To listen, give it to you good. Misty has 100% made me realize that I've ripped my britches, and now I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? That's fair. I am not hitting on people because I don't uh, think I want to be hit on. Okay. You don't want to be hit on. So you're not I, hitting on people. So how are you going to get the sexy sex? Linda, hope you're listening. Yes, listen. Listen. Linda's well aware. Um, I, I, no, I mean, and yes, I'm, I'm being a little cheeky, but also like I understand that approach. Mm-hmm. This seems a little div- divergent from yeah. what he has said before, which is you're fine, you're perfect. Now it's like, well, what aren't you doing? 
Uh, I don't think he's saying you have to do this. I th- he, what he's saying is whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you might be withholding from the world. Okay, he's great. not right. So it's like if it's you perceive this, yeah, right. yeah. He's right. not saying a, it's a blanket statement. He says the source of all abundance is not outside you; it is part of who you are. Um. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I wrote a note. The words Jensen Chero are in here. Okay. Oh. The source of all abundance is not outside you. It is part of who you are. However, start by acknowledging and recognizing abundance without. See the fullness of life all around you. The warmth of the sun on your skin, the display of magnificent flowers outside a florist shop. Lisa, why are you covering your face? Because I'm so afraid. No, I wrote. I wrote. I bet Jensen Cheryl would agree with this. Hold on. I know. That's why I'm so afraid. Outside of flo- Okay, she's hiding. Outside a florist shop, biting into a succulent fruit or getting soaked in an abundance of water falling from the sky. The fullness of life is there at every step. The acknowledgement of that abundance that is all around you awakens the dormant abundance within. Then let it flow out. When you smile at a stranger, there is already a minute outflow of energy. You become a giver. Ask yourself often, what can I give here? How can I be of service to this person, the situation? You don't need to own anything to feel abundant. Although if you feel abundant consistently, things will almost certainly come to you. Abundance comes only to those who already have it. It sounds almost unfair, but of course it isn't. It is a universal law. Both abundance and scarcity are interstates that manifest as your reality. Jesus put it, puts it like this. <laughs> For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That I sounds said, very Old Testament, and yet he said Jesus said it. I said, I bet Jen Sincero would agree with this. Because she's like, buy a car and then you'll have more money. All right, fine. I'll let you know. This I'll is the dialect of Tolish I don't agree with. There you go. Uh, finding who you truly are. This is the ego in the present moment. Once you have reached a certain level of consciousness, and if you are reading this, you almost certainly have. Thank you. You, Sorry, that was my ego. You are able to decide <laughs> what kind of a relationship you want to have with the present moment. Do I want the present moment to be my friend or my enemy? Friend. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a choice. Sorry. <laughs> it's always a choice. Okay, okay. The present moment is inseparable from life. So you are really deciding what kind of a relationship you want to have with life. Once you have decided what you once you have decided you want the present moment to be your friend, it is up to you to make the first move. Become friendly toward it. Welcome it no matter in what disguise it comes, and soon you will see the results. Hey, present moment. Hey. Hey, diarrhea. Come on in. I accept you. Let's do this. Hey, Hopefully in the bathroom. <laughs> hey, pain body. Chardonnay. Life becomes friendly toward you. People become helpful. Circumstances cooperative. One decision changes your entire reality. But that one decision you have to make again and again and again until it becomes natural to live in such a way. Okay, that makes sense. I like it. A vital question to ask yourself frequently is, what is my relationship with the present moment? Then become alert to find out the answer. Missy, what is your relationship to the present moment? Um... I'm enjoying it. I'm a little fatigued. I feel connected to the book. I'm not making a lot of eye contact with you because I'm reading out of it. Oh, okay. Okay. So he means like in this very second. He doesn't mean like overall what is the quality of your relationship to the present moment. No, like every moment. Jesus. I know. But you only ever have one moment. <laughs> okay. Um, you can ask yourself, am I treating the now as no more than a means to an end? Am I? Do I see it as an obstacle? Do I? Am I making it into an enemy? Am I? Since <laughs> Do I? <laughs> Since the present moment is high, <laughs> your stakes were so high. Am I? <laughs> well, it was good questions. <laughs> I don't know the answers. <laughs> 
I am not living on a new earth. I got a snort out of Misty. I got a snort out of Misty. Gotten a few snorts tonight. Since the present moment is all you ever have, since life is inseparable from the now, what the question really means is, what is my relationship with life? This question is an excellent way of unmasking the ego in you and bringing you into the state of presence. Do you like it or do you love it? I mean, there's a part of me that's like, this guy loves hearing himself that's talk. Right. Okay. Um, Sav, what do you think? You're sitting over there listening. I love this. Oh, God, of course <laughs> you're just God, sorry. Thank God, because I am sitting here going like, I don't even know if I made Do not apologize. Sense. You and Misty will move to the new earth, and I'm going to be stuck on Two the older. Two against one. Mine and Sav's egos have melded together against mine. yours. Huh. My ego sucks. My That's ego's a judgment. bad. That's a judgment. Now just become aware of that judgment, and you've disentangled. See? Easy. Let's move on. Okay. Allowing the diminishment of the ego. Thank you, Sav. Appreciate you. A powerful... Just so you all know, she's straight up Peter Pan. Her (laughs) fist is on her hip, power pose. And she sat up straighter in her chair. Did you mention that uh, my high-waisted 11-inch high-rise jeans are unzipped all the way down so that my... I can't see. So that I can breathe freely. Well, you're doing a great job. Your voice is resonant and gorgeous. (laughs) What? I was being honest. (laughs) No, the way... I don't know why. Why is this one of our silliest episodes yet? The, your face changed, and what are you talking and about? You, <laughs> your voice dropped out. What are you talking about? You're like, no, no, no. Your voice is resonant, resonant and, and gorgeous. gorgeous, gorgeous. All right, what's okay. next? Okay, allowing the diminishment of the ego. Stay with us, or if you're not, listen. Lisa and I are having a great time. It's I'm fine. telling you, we're giving them the much needed breaks from these. Thank Escher, you. And the Escher sentences. That's right. A powerful spiritual practice is consciously to allow the diminishment of ego when it happens without attempting to restore it. Stop. What I, the fuck did he just say? Who knows? Let's go. I recommend that you experiment with this from time to time. Um, allow your ego to diminish when it happens. Okay. Without trying to restore it. Okay. Stand by. He uh-huh. has an example. Okay. He recommends that we experiment with this from time to time. For example, when someone criticizes you, blames you, or calls you names, How dare they? instead of immediately retaliating or defending yourself, do nothing. Allow the self-image to remain diminished and become alert to what that feels like deep inside you. I hurt. Thank you. For a few seconds, it may feel uncomfortable, as if you had shrunk in size. I'm tiny. <laughs> Then you may feel, God damn it! Keep going. Then you may sense an inner spaciousness that feels intensely alive. I'm fast. You haven't been diminished at all. <laughs> almost peed. Are you dying? I don't know what happened. We just went off the deep end. I don't know what. Do you think this is our egos trying to laugh through this so that we don't do Lisa's literally crying. I think my ego is like, stop. Stop. My ego doesn't want me to move to the new earth. It wants to stay here on the old earth. Meanwhile, that's not what the book is about. Okay. Hi. Are you taking a video? Okay, cool. Hi. I just had a small breakdown because I realized I am tiny and vast. 
literally could not love you more. Okay. I'm going to say this again because I think it's valuable. Allow, okay. For When someone criticizes you, blames you, or calls you names, instead of immediately retaliating or defending yourself, do nothing. Allow the self-image to remain diminished and become alert to what that feels like deep inside you, which just makes me think of like a burning humiliation, but like what's on the other side of that? For a few seconds, it may feel uncomfortable, as if you had shrunk in size. Then you may sense an inner spaciousness that feels intensely alive. You haven't been diminished at all. In fact, you have expanded. You may then come to an amazing realization— When you are seemingly diminished in some way and remain in absolute non-reaction, not just externally but also internally, you realize that nothing real has been diminished, that through becoming less, you become more. So, Sav and Misty, do you guys remember before we started recording that I was telling you guys about an interaction earlier Mm -hmm. and how I kind of didn't react? Like I did initially and then I kind of backed away from it? Yeah. That's kind of what happened. So he's he's true in that. How was that experience for you? Well, in the moment, it's fine. Like, I, I think also there's a lot of shame and stuff that happens. Mm. So I would need more practice doing that. Yeah. But I think part of that, what he's saying, that not reaction, is that you just let the other person handle yeah. all that. You don't take it on. Yeah. And you let them sit in that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he says, I love this caveat, right? This does not mean, of course, that you invite abuse or turn yourself into a victim of unconscious people. Sometimes a situation may demand that you tell someone to back off in no uncertain terms. Without egoic defensiveness, there will be power behind your words, yet no reactive force. If necessary, you can also say no to someone firmly and clearly, and it will be what I call a high-quality no that is free of all negativity. No. I love the idea— no. 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 Not today. No. 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 We're practicing our high quality nose. <laughs> they know. They know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of this practice is to refrain from attempting to strengthen the self by showing off, wanting to stand out, be special, make an impression, or demand attention. It may include occasionally refraining from expressing your opinion when everybody is expressing his or hers and seeing what that feels like. Oh my God, that's so funny. So my friend Zach Thompson, who is one of the funniest men on the Hi, planet, Zach. he has this great bit where if everybody's chiming in, after like a silence for a second or two, he'll just raise his hand and yell, I also have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things he ever does. He'll do it on Facebook. Like when there's threaded people are going off, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all he'll write on a comment. This I will love be like, that. I also have something to say. By the way. It's so funny. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Misty, you're doing a really great job Thank of you. It doesn't feel book. like it. Here we go. When you... Okay. He is talking I'm going to ask you to take a second. Yeah. And... Uh, Pull apart from that oh. ego moment hmm. and stay present. Hi. You are doing a great job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is complex stuff that you're helping us understand. Thank you. Okay. Allow me to be the conduit through which enlightenment spews forth into the world. Can't wait for you to conduit. <laughs> I conduit. <laughs> <laughs> When you contemplate the inf- okay, sorry, we've moved on to um, a new. He's talking about having space and spaciousness and finding inner space. Um, oh, this is my this favorite is page two seventeen. As without, so within. Yes. 
Uh, when you look up at this clear sky at night, you may easily realize a truth at once utterly simple and extraordinarily profound. What is it that you see? The moon, planets, stars, the luminous band of the Milky Way, perhaps a comet, or even the neighboring Andromeda galaxy two million light years away. Where do he live? Yes. Canada. <laughs> Justin Trudeau's there. Yes, but if you simplify even more, what do you see? Objects floating in space. Yeah. So what does the universe consist of? Objects, Objects floating in space. in space. Okay. Thank you. Um, so this is where it gets a little bit heady again. I'm sorry. This is where it gets a little heady <laughs> Yeah. So he's talking about objects floating in space. Yes. And how does this relate to as so is below is above? No, that's not what he said. As with without, the, so is within. As, with, as without, okay. so is within. What you see, hear, feel, touch, or think about is only one half of reality. Okay. It is form. In the teaching of Jesus, it is simply called the world, and the other dimension is called the kingdom of heaven or eternal life. Just as space enables all things to exist, and just as without silence there could be no sound, you would not exist without the vital formless dimension that is the essence of who you are. Right. We talked about form and formlessness. And formlessness. We could say, quote, God, if the word had not been so misused. Yeah. I prefer to call it being with a capital B. Okay. Being is prior to existence. Existence is form, content, or what happens. Existence is the foreground of life. Being is the background. Okay. So that's that. Okay. Summary. Okay. Taken. No taken. This is called the discovery of inner space. Okay. Non-resistance, non-judgment, and non-attachment are the three aspects of true freedom and enlightened living. What are they again? Non-resistance, non-judgment, and non-attachment. Sure. It's basically going with the fucking flow. Right. Be the right? water, not the rock. What is happening? You know, whatever is happening in front of you. Did you just get into a car accident? Okay, we're in that scene now. How do we deal with this and meet this present moment? A right? Responsibility, not blame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or accountability, which did he use in Mark um, mm -hmm. Manson? Responsibility. Responsibility. And blame. Yeah. Like his example was if a baby the is baby. dropped on your doorstep, yeah. you're not to blame, but it is now your responsibility. Right. Right. Okay. You can ignore the baby. That's still a choice. Um, being detached does not mean that you cannot enjoy the good that the world has to offer. In fact, you enjoy it more. Once you see and accept the transience of all things and the inevitability of change, you can enjoy the pleasures of the world while they last without fear of loss or anxiety about the future. Okay. When you are detached, you gain a higher vantage point from which to view the events in your life instead of being trapped inside them. You become like an astronaut who sees the planet Earth surrounded by the vastness of space and realizes a paradoxical truth. The Earth is precious and at the same time insignificant. It just makes me think of sunsets. Like, if the sunset were always fucking there, we'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. It's the fucking sunset. But because, <laughs> because it's rapidly disappearing. Because it's disappearing. different and it changes every day and it's only there for a fleeting moment. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, this breathtaking thing, yeah. which is cool. Um, object consciousness and space consciousness. Just stay with me. Those are big, scary words. Make your eyes back small. Thank you. It's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you. She looks down. Most people's lives are cluttered up with things, material things, things to do, things to think about. Sure. We've talked about this. Sure. This is the dimension of object consciousness that is many people's predominant reality, and that is why their lives are so out of balance. Object consciousness needs to be balanced by space consciousness for sanity to return to our planet and for humanity to fulfill its destiny. And what is space consciousness? 
We'll get there. The arising of space consciousness is the next stage in the evolution of humanity. Space consciousness means that in addition to being conscious of things, which always comes down to sense perceptions, thoughts, and emotions, there is an undercurrent of awareness. Awareness implies that you are not only conscious of things like objects, but you are also conscious of being conscious. If you can sense, I know you're sighing, just bear with me. If you can sense an alert inner stillness in the background while things happen in the foreground, that's it. This dimension is there in everyone, but most people are completely unaware of it. Sometimes I point to it by saying, can you feel your own presence? Space consciousness represents not only freedom from ego, but also from dependency on the things of this world, from materialism and materiality. It is the spiritual dimension which alone can give transcendent and true meaning to this world. You okay? I have three degrees and I'm too stupid for this book. You're not. Um, only because I've read ahead and he repeats himself many times. Basically, we're all aware of things and people and how we interact and our form, right? Our like human body. That's object consciousness. Just having awareness of your own inner state and inner consciousness, that's space consciousness. Like what I'm feeling? Yeah. What you're feeling and that you're alive, basically. So that, like, even if you're doing something as mundane as washing your hands, it can be a meaningful act if you're in touch with Is his expectation that people will be able to stay aware of their inner consciousness 24 hours a day? No. Okay, good, because that sounds fucking exhausting. No, because he, he's like, we're all humans and we're flawed, <clears throat> but the more you can do that and the more you practice, the easier it will get, the more neural pathways you're built to do that, you know, mm-hmm. and that basically your whole life can take on this, like, peaceful, alive, connected meaning no matter what you're doing. Reminds me of that poem, Let the Soft Animal of Your Body Want What It Wants or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'll look that up while you're doing it, and that'll be our transition out. Keep going. Okay. Whenever there is beauty, kindness, the recognition of the goodness of simple things in your life, look for the background to that experience within yourself. But don't look for it as if you were looking for something. You cannot pin it down and say, now I have it, or grasp it mentally and define it in some way. It is like the cloudless sky. It has no form. It is space. It is stillness, the sweetness of being, and infinitely more than these words, which are only pointers. When you are able to sense it directly within yourself, it deepens. So when you appreciate something simple, a sound, a sight, a touch, when you see beauty, when you feel loving kindness toward another, sense the inner spaciousness that is the source and background to that experience. Okay. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're doing great. Uh, we're on page 244. Being aware of your breathing takes attention away from thinking and creates space. It is one way of generating consciousness, which is why so many meditations use the breath. Notice the sensation of the breath. Feel the air moving in and out of your body. Notice how the chest and abdomen expand and contract slightly with the in and out breath. One conscious breath is enough to make some space where before there was uninterrupted succession of one thought after another. One conscious breath, two or three would be even better. Taken many times a day is an excellent way of bringing space into your life. I would like to take a conscious breath. We do this. Mm -hmm. And in. (sighs) Mm -hmm. The whole time you were saying that, I was doing conscious breathing. It was really nice. You were just breathing normally? No, I was doing conscious breathing. Like I was really paying attention to my breath. (sighs) 
I feel more spacious after that one breath, which mm-hmm. is cool because your breath is hopefully always with you. Um, da, 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 da. He talks about um, a lot of being conscious of a lot of things like addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to read about that, it's on page 247. Inner and outer space, uh, which is great. You are never more essentially, more deeply yourself than when you are still. When you are still, you are who you were before you temporarily assumed this physical and mental form called a person. You are also who you will be when that form dissolves. When you are still, you are who you are beyond your temporal existence. Consciousness, unconditioned, formless, eternal. Okay. I said, I wrote, stillness can be scary, but I also feel hopeful and empowered by the sentence above. Your inner purpose, chapter nine. Now we're getting to the good stuff. (laughs) As soon as you rise above mere survival, the question of meaning and purpose becomes of paramount importance in your life. Many people feel caught up in the routines of daily living that seem to deprive their life of significance. Some believe life is passing them by or has passed them by already. Others feel severely restricted by the demands of their job and supporting a family or by their financial or living situation. Some are consumed by acute stress, others by acute boredom. Some are lost in frantic doing, others are lost in stagnation. Many people long for the freedom and expansion that prosperity promises. Others already enjoy the relative freedom that comes with prosperity and discover that even that is not enough to endow their lives with meaning. There is no substitute for finding true purpose. But the true or primary purpose of your life cannot be found on the outer level. It does not concern what you do, but who you are. That is to say, your state of consciousness. So the important thing to realize is this. Your life has an inner purpose and an outer purpose. Inner purpose concerns being and is primary. Outer purpose concerns doing and is secondary. Your inner purpose is to awaken. It's as simple as that. Your primary purpose is now to enable consciousness to flow into what you do. The secondary purpose is whatever you want to achieve through the doing. Whereas the notion of purpose before was always associated with future, there is now a deeper purpose that can only be found in the present. When you meet with people at work or wherever it may be, Give them your fullest attention. You are no longer there primarily as a person, but as a field of awareness of alert presence. Stop staring at me. <laughs> I was trying to give her alert presence. The original reason for interacting with the other person, buying or selling something, requesting or giving information, and so on, now becomes secondary. The field of awareness that arises between you becomes the primary purpose for the interaction. Misty and I are currently staring at each other, both envisioning the field of awareness between us. That space of awareness becomes more important than what you may be talking about, more important than physical or thought objects. The human being becomes more important than the things of this world. It does not mean you neglect whatever needs to be done on a practical level. In fact, doing unfolds not only more easily, but more powerfully when the dimension of being is acknowledged and so becomes primary. The arising of that unifying field of awareness between human beings is the most essential factor in relationships on the new earth. Is the notion of success just an egoic illusion? How do we measure true success? Oh, this is, he does this Q&A, which is brilliant. It's basically like the most common questions he gets when people ask oh, this book. And then he this answers one in them. There? Why do you write like an M.C. Escher painting? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Listen, this is the part where I'm going to say this is worth getting the book for. So some of the questions that people ask are, is the notion of success just an egoic illusion? How do we measure true success? I didn't ask that at all. Yes. Um, He says... Your entire life's journey ultimately consists of the step you are taking at this moment. There is always only this one step, and so you give it your fullest attention. This doesn't mean you don't know where you are going. It just means this step is primary. The destination is secondary. And what you encounter at your destination once you get there depends on the quality of this one step. Another way of putting it, what the future holds for you depends on your state of consciousness now. When doing becomes infused with the timeless quality of being, that success so he he talks about how do i go from realizing what my inner purpose is to finding out what i am supposed to do on the outer level and one of the his responses that i remember is like it doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're doing it with connectedness and consciousness Mm -hmm. um on the new earth old age oh this is okay he says death can be an opportunity for a spiritual awakening and talks about in cultures we used to really value the elderly mm-hmm. because they had all this wisdom and they mm-hmm. were closer in life experience. And it's only recently in the last few centuries that mm-hmm. we have stopped doing that. Um, On the new earth, old age will be universally recognized and highly valued as a time for the flowering of consciousness because death can be an opportunity for spiritual awakening. For those who are still lost in the outer circumstances of their lives, it will be a time of a late homecoming when they awaken to their inner purpose. For many others, it will represent an intensification and a culmination of the awakening process. It is not who we create, but universal intelligence that creates through us. I'm talking about awakening. Oh, yeah. He says he calls death the outgoing movement, by the way. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I call my dog's last call of the day. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to call you back. I'm having an outgoing movement. <laughs> um, consciousness incarnates into the manifested dimension and becomes form. When it does so, it enters a dreamlike state. Intelligence remains, but consciousness becomes unconscious of itself. It loses itself. <laughs> Lisa's shaking her head. It loses itself in form and becomes identified with forms. This could be described as the descent of the divine into matter. Okay, this is he gets really heady at the end. What? I love that you think up until now it's not been. Yeah, that's right. Okay. These are we're on the last five pages. I, I'm gonna say which of these questions are most imperative for you. No, oh, no, 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 no. We're, He's done with his QA. I'm done with the QA. Okay. I'm out of it. I'm not doing a very good job of telling you what chapter we're moving on to. We're on a new earth. It's the last one. We've got five pages to go. The three modalities of awakened doing. This is what he says is like the way to right, go right. through the world. Page two ninety five. There are three ways in which consciousness can flow into what you do and thus through you into this world in which you can align your life with the creative power of the universe. They may change during the course of a day, although one of them may be dominant during a certain stage in your life. The modalities of awakened doing are acceptance, enjoyment, and enthusiasm. You need to be vigilant to make sure that one of them operates whenever you are engaged in doing anything at all, from the most simple task to the most complex. If you are not in the state of either acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm, look closely and you will find that you are creating suffering for yourself and others. So acceptance, whatever you cannot enjoy doing, you can at least accept that uh, you can at least accept that this is what you have to do. Acceptance means for now, this is what the situation, this moment requires me to do. And so I do it willingly. Okay. 
Uh, For example, you probably won't be able to enjoy changing the flat tire on your car at night in the middle of nowhere in the pouring rain, let alone be enthusiastic about it, but you can bring acceptance to it. Performing an action in the state of acceptance means you're at peace while you do it. Sure. Enjoyment. When you make the present... When you make the present moment, instead of past and future, the focal point of your life, your ability to enjoy what you do and with it the quality of your life increases dramatically. When the creative power of the universe becomes conscious of itself, it manifests as joy. You don't have to wait for something meaningful to come into your life so that you can finally enjoy what you do. There is more meaning and joy than you will ever need. The waiting to start living syndrome is one of the most common delusions of the unconscious state. Expansion and positive change on the outer level, is much more likely to come into your life if you can enjoy what you are doing already instead of waiting for some change so that you can start enjoying what you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the third modality is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means there is deep enjoyment in what you do plus the added element of a goal or a vision that you work toward. At the height of creative activity fueled by enthusiasm, there will be enormous intensity and energy behind what you do. You will feel like an arrow that is moving toward the target and enjoying the journey. This is the very last subheading of the very last chapter. Okay. You're doing great. Thank you for everyone listening. Dear God. You're doing great. The new earth is no utopia. In oh, the, so we went through all of that for him yes, to be like, yes, is no real great in the, shakes. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a prediction that to this day, few people have understood. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In modern versions of the, of the Bible, meek is translated as humble. Who are the meek or the humble, and what does it mean that they shall inherit the earth? The meek are the egoless. They are those who have awakened to their essential true nature as consciousness and recognize that essence in all others, all life forms. They live in the surrendered state and so feel their oneness with the whole and the source. They embody the awake. They embody the awakened consciousness that is changing all aspects of life on our planet, including nature, because life on Earth is inseparable from the human consciousness that perceives and interacts with it. That is the sense in which the meek will inherit the Earth. (laughs) Lisa's scratching her head. A new species is arising on the planet. It is arising now. And you are it. Thank you so much, Eckhart Tolle. Thank you, Misty. Oh, man. Misty, I have a few questions for you. (laughs) I'm going to try to answer them. Lay it on me. Who is this book perfect for? This book, Lisa, is perfect for um, people who, like me, are very, very practical mm-hmm. and want to dip their very heady toe into some spiritual Great. stuff. Okay. And it's, I think it's for people who uh, are not beginners to self-help but who are ready for some kind of mind-bending thoughts. Indeed. And who is this book terrible for? This book doesn't feel like it would be ideal for young people because I do feel like there's a certain amount of, like, experiences or openness that you have to have. Like, a lot to of To be this, aware of your own ego and to it, be able to kind of d- d- divest from it takes yeah, some it feels like Yeah, it feels like it may not come until your mid-late 20s, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, that. Okay, that's, yeah. that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. What do you feel like the, um, after the second half, is there anything that you feel you'd like to amend? Do you feel like the author got right or wrong? I think, I think Eckhart Tolle gets in his own way a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, 
I I honestly loved a lot of what he said, and I I skipped over a lot of the religious references, but he does a great job of going, this this is the same thing we're seeing in Zen. This is the same thing we're seeing in Christianity. Here's what the religions got wrong, and mm-hmm, here's how mm-hmm. they were misinterpreted, which we talked about, I think, on the last episode. But um, he gets in his own way because I, I read this book and— reread the sentences I highlighted a few times and then as I'm looking at them for a third and fourth time with you and having to repeat them and distill them, it's still hard to grasp. Yeah. So I think he sort of gets in his own way a little sure. bit. Sure. And I think there are some books um, like one we'll be covering soon and one and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck from episode one that do take these ideas and make them way more accessible mm-hmm. or simple or don't have really long run-on sentences, mm-hmm. which is just his style. Misty, what did you put into practice from this book? I Anything different from the last episode, which I think you talked about being a little yeah, more. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I was just trying to be more aware of my ego last time. And this time, I have really been trying to embody his suggestion of no matter what you're doing, be present. And there's nothing more more important than the person in front of you, basically. And I um, have really been working hard at that. And I have really been enjoying it. And I am finding that people are responding so positively to me. Mm. Like I'm forming more connections faster. They feel deeper. Like I um, walked in and a coworker that I'm still getting to know just kind of like put his hand on my arm and was like, Misty, hey, how are you? Because I was out of the office for a couple of days last week and was like, oh, Misty, hi. And it was just this really genuine, lovely thing. And I think it's because I've just been trying to be present. present. Yeah, that's cool. And and also like, you know, when you came over to do the vision board mm-hmm. at my house and that sort of thing, I was just trying to not be or do or try anything in the moment, but just be there and be present with you. And that's really hard, I would just love to it, say. It is hard. We're and very distracted and we have yeah. multiple things going on all the time. And yeah. that's a real art and a Thank talent. You. So kudos. Well, thank you. And it's not always easy. And a lot of times I have to go, oh, shit, I got caught up in my thinking and now I'm back on Lisa, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But also I find that not picking up my phone the moment I have a free second, like if I if I'm ordering food and I'm waiting for it, you know, to be put in a bag or Mm -hmm. whatever, Mm -hmm. I won't pull out my phone and just check Instagram or, what. you know, I'm letting my mind rest a little more. I love that. I'm going to read that poem very briefly that I that quote that came up it's by Mary Oliver it's called Wild Geese Mm. Um, it's very uh, popular you'll recognize portions of it I'm sure you do not have to be good you do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves tell me about your despair yours and I will tell you mine Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are leading home, heading home again. But I liked leading. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. That's so beautiful. It felt, I don't know, but that's what really came up for me when I was listening 
to you talk about it in the second half. And the uh, duck the metaphor. Book. Well, there was That's that. Right. We did, we did uh, roast that as much as we could. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really flew through yeah. those metaphors. Yeah. I That's mean, right. if, I, if you asked me to go back and start peeking one moment that um, mm-hmm. stood out, I, I don't know if I could. No, that's right. It's, um, you know, just flying high on the wings of um, consciousness. Yeah. And I, I got to hand it to you. You really waddled through this book as, <laughs> as well as I could have imagined anybody. Yeah, thank you. It's um, it's just, it warms my heart, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. That's it. Um, okay, can I say um, one thing before we go? Yeah. Speaking of self-help and comedy, since we were... Totally. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the Instagram account, My Therapist Says. Yes. Because it makes me laugh endlessly. And it is so fucking funny. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's My Therapist Says. So with that, we'll end it. We've put you all through enough. And you did a great job. I really wrote you hard on this. And I appreciate you. doing the lord's work oh thank you well i I just want to make sure we're covering every kind of book on this podcast so listen let us know if you're like listen ladies like we just want the practical patty (laughs) give us more charisma myth more five second rule Uh we can do that we can make that happen but we we want to cover a diverse thing because we're here to grow you know, that's what we want to do. We want yeah, to grow, too. Right, and try right, to I'll grow. This is as good as she is. So so on behalf of Matt Sav, Misty Stinnett, and Michael Barbaro, <laughs> and me, Lisa Linky, thanks for listening. Uh, and remember, life, life is, is abundant. abundant. Life is abundant. Quack. <laughs> Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.